Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Things. We're back, man. Episode 192. Yes, sir. Now, before we get into this this podcast, I don't know how much the production quality is going to go up, but uh, we got a, we got some of the acoustic paneling up that we uh, put here in the little uh, studio. Yeah. So you may hear more of a crispy sound, and if you don't hear it, then, you know, fuck you. <laughs> we worked hard, man. We worked hard to get these acoustic panels. And we panels. waited a long time. Waited a long time to get these up, man. Panels. But, it, I mean, even outside of uh, the sound, it just feels, it's a different feel. Like right. It feels like we kind of closed in a little right. bit, so it's kind of cool. Right. It's just less, like, the, the sound is not traveling as much. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you get, we do this for the people, man. Mm-hmm. We want to make it easier for you to listen to the content because, you know, if you're if you're trying to make out what we say, then it makes it less uh less easy to listen to. Yeah. It's almost like somebody giving you a I don't know, when when you get steak, right? This is probably a fucking terrible analogy. I'm glad you pre- prefaced it. Yeah, I got to preface it. <laughs> you know, if you got a steak, it's like trying to eat a steak without a steak knife. Mm. Like you can't chop the steak up and eat it and make it more digestible and easier to eat. Yeah. Imagine trying to eat a steak with no knife and you're just biting into a fucking steak. Yeah. That's difficult. That's how it feels when you can't understand the two people talking on a microphone. <laughs> like a big chewy fucking steak. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's get right into it. Before we do, if you wonder why we're not mentioning the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, we have intentionally chose to forego that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering why we're not talking about it, it's just it's it's tiring. I'd rather not go into it. Go um, get your takes from Fox. News yeah, go get your ta- your your takes from wherever else, man. We just we're not <laughs> even gonna fuck with that. Yeah. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, recently, uh, singer or rock slash rock star Sophia Urista urinated on somebody. So today we'll be talking about urine. All right, <laughs> uh, Sophia Urista, a bra- brass against front woman apologizes after urinating on a male fan at a concert. Um, Brass against singer Sophia Urista has apologized after she urinated on a willing fan at her... Somebody put willing and put it in a, uh, what do you call that, parentheses? Mm -hmm. (laughs) At At the stage of her band show in Florida. She took to her social media and put up a statement stating she has always pushed her limits on stage but admitted that her peeing stunt was not right. FYI, at a concert, Sophia called a male fan on stage, made him lie down, and then urinated on him while performing Rage Against the Machine's Wake Up. The band is now permanently banned by NASCAR from its venues. Oh, dang. Yeah. And let me tell you something here. Here's her apology. Hey, everyone. I want to speak to my performance at Rockville Metal Festival in Daytona. I have always pushed the limits in my music and stage. That night, I pushed the, that night I pushed the limits too far. I love my family, the band, and the fans more than anything. And I know that some were hurt or offended by what I did. I apologize to them and want them and want them to know that I didn't mean to hurt them. I am not a shock artist. I always want to put the music first. I'm grateful for all of you, your continued support and continued love and support you're not a shock artist so why are you peeing on people what the fuck yeah that's that's pretty shocking isn't it i wasn't her first rodeo yeah you, you it's not your first time peeing on uh people r shelly okay <laughs> yeah here's my thing right my biggest issue is um 
it's never a problem when men are getting degraded. Like when women get degraded, it's a problem. I feel like anybody being degraded, even if they're willing, right? <clears throat> Let me just switch the scenario up for people that really makes sense. Imagine if I'm a rapper, right? And I'm rapping like, yeah, rapidy rap, rapidy rap. And then fucking- yeah, You got bars, bro. Yeah. Well, imagine if I'm rapping, I tell a girl, hey, you, come up on stage. I'm a, you want me to pee on you? And she'll be like, cool. And then I pull my dick out and pee all over her face. I would be leaving in handcuffs. <laughs> Even if she was willing, I would be leaving in handcuffs. And that's some of the disparity that you see. Because if anybody, if a woman, it's crazy how a woman can urinate on a guy and get to write an apology letter. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing. And you get banned from, from NASCAR. But let's see if any other venues ban them. Yeah. I haven't heard of anybody else banning them. But mm -hmm. look, I don't, me personally, I can't say I care very much. But at the same time, it's like we got to keep the same energy, folks. R. Kelly got R. Kelly, and here's the problem. I'm not trying to compare this to R. Kelly. This guy must have been of age. But peeing on people is peeing on people, right? All urine matters. And we need to come together and see that peeing on people is wrong, especially on stage. Come yeah. on, man. I think this was a little um this was a little off for me. I, right. I don't think it was that bad in terms of like the guy he volunteered to get peed on. She did it. I just think in terms of like having a brand, in terms of, you mm -hmm. know, trying to be a uh, you know, successful musician, it's just not it's not it's not a good look. It's not good for your brand. I think but then again, I, I and I don't know, I think I think that band primarily does covers of, of other people's songs. Right. But if if it really came down to like doing something for publicity or doing something to to gain attention, this is kind of like the perfect the perfect thing to do. Yeah, I guess. Um, but it, I mean, you are right in terms of like that. This if it if a uh, if a male did something comparable to this, um, they would yeah they wouldn't. The same type of like the baby got canceled for some words, some harsh Thank words. Thank you. If the baby now out we're his, talking. The baby whooped out his penis and just started spraying everybody. Like he would be, yeah. It would. It would if be you want to get peed on, put your cell phone lines in there. If you in a parking lot peeing on people, put your, put your cell phone lines in there. <laughs> That's crazy, but, but I think. There is a world of like, you know, there's probably a subreddit out there where it's like people that, you know, appreciate golden showers. So mm. I'm sure that video is probably floating around that, that subreddit. Well, and here's the thing. He volunteered, right? I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, oh my God, like he volunteered for Christ's sake. Yes, it was gross, but he volunteered. Let me be clear when I say this. A man cannot get a woman to volunteer to get peed on in public. He could not get a woman to volunteer. Even if she did, he would still be arrested. Just imagine the visual. Mm -hmm. It is, is it like, first of all, I don't care if people pee on each other. Pee on people all you want, right? Have a pee contest. Just do it in the comforts of your own home. She really naked on stage. Yeah, I think, think about it. I don't, I don't know if she was, was she naked, naked? She wasn't naked, but I'm saying her, her ass was out. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. Yeah, she showed her ass. That's nuts. And then you just peed on somebody. Mm -hmm. Just imagine how bad that would look. Imagine if Lenny Kravitz was up on stage. American woman, come here. Psst, all of it. <laughs> and start peeing in her face. <laughs> Dang. Imagine a woman. Just, just take a moment, folks. I know this is disturbing to hear. But imagine a woman taking hot urine to the face 
and everybody's seen it. Yeah. Do you know how many feminists would be like, oh my God, men are still just demoralizing women and doing this. This is wrong. And yes, she she only agreed because the patriarchy made her agree to get peed on. No, they're always going to contradict themselves with that because women are like, they're trying to push this sexuality, this modern oh. sexuality. But you can't tell a woman what she can and cannot appreciate. If That's a woman true. wants to get peed on, let her get peed on. Yeah, it's her sexuality. Yeah. She identifies as urine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't I don't know, man. I just mm-hmm. I just found this absolutely cringy, mm-hmm. and the fact that a dude would want to get peed on is fucking nuts, man. By her, yeah. We live in a world we live in a world where um, men go to strip clubs and spend their whole paychecks on women, but women would not do the same for us at all, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that there's certain things. And it's not to say something's wrong with men or women. It's just the way it's kind of set up or it's aligned. But I find it completely fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And men men be doing too much for women in, in the sexual thing. Because women sexually control men. Bottom line. Men do not control nothing dealing with sex. It's 100% women controlling it. And for some reason, that guy got sexually aroused by getting peed on. Yeah, that's wild. That is nuts. He probably. Was- I think we need to start talking about the guy too. Yeah, what the like, fuck's up with wrong? him? That that idea of getting peed on is disgusting to me. What's your deal, bro? Like, yeah. who raised you, bro? Yeah, that's where the- does this? Where does this stuff even come from? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. when people have these strange fetishes, whether it's like, you know, I don't even know, but you, you know, there's all these categories on these porn websites where people are doing this. Like the cucks and all that. Like, where do you? Where does this stuff come from? Black midgets. <laughs> <laughs> you know the most hilarious thing about porn sites is they really be like, "Are you 18? Like, nigga, nobody's gonna like. <laughs> nobody cares. They have this like big page. Are you 18? Only click if you're 18. You That's met- probably some like some kid. He was probably like 13, 12 years old. He was like, hey, dude, like that website you sent me, I tried to log into it, but I'm not 18 yet, so it won't let me get in. (laughs) Sit your dumb ass down and press yes. Oh, man. (laughs) That's hilarious. I I, I think maybe for some legal reasons they do that. They don't really give a fuck. They know that some of the main consumers of of porn are younger people. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that like the shit that you've seen on stage, that's some shit that's on Pornhub or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. This that's a, wild. It's probably on porn because like sometimes on Pornhub they take clips from <laughs> movies and shows and stuff like that. It could be a nip slip from Nicki Minaj uh, when she was performing and they'll put it on there. <laughs> that for sure is on there. Uh it'd be President Trump's uh speech mm-hmm. when he's president. There was some joke I seen. Uh, I'm not gonna go through it, but he said like he said uh, it's like Trump be talking shit during press conference. He said my opposition is gay. (laughs) 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 He'd be like, oh my god, Trump. Yeah, Yeah. man. Just imagine this though. This is the most random thing. She's performing. She's an artist. But imagine like in the middle of a basketball. Well, this is this is a bad analogy. But imagine somebody to stop during. uh, Well, I can't use sports. That's a bad analogy. Mm But if if like I said, like if you're rapping or if you're a country western or whatever, mm-hmm. and you just take your country uh, your cowboy hat off and just start peeing in it, yeah, and then you throw it on somebody. <laughs> Morgan Wallen. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. He, Morgan Wallen will pee in his cowboy hat and throw it on the only black person in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> I see you over there. Yeah, you take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Morgan Wallen back doing his thing. He got some song that's a slapper. I heard it on TikTok. Really? Bro, that shit's straight slap. I ain't even gonna lie. I don't know if I don't know if they remixed it. Uh-huh. Or if like that's his song. I gotta look it up. But that mm-hmm. shit was a straight slapper. Did they bleep out the N-words? Oh, I wasn't on the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like the Donda album. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's that, man. Not a not a whole lot to go in on this. I just mm-hmm. I think it's it's comical. And I think it's funny that like the amount of uh, hypocrisy that we have, and mm-hmm. it's not like I'm like um, outraged by it at all. But it's like, yo, we can you imagine this though? Like the fact that a lot of people listen to this podcast don't know about this story. Yeah, and that is that is the 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 difference between a man and a woman doing it. Mm-hmm. Is that a woman doing it? It has like a sexual undertone, like it's sexy. Yeah, but a man pulling a cock out and peeing on a woman's face is not sexual at all. That would be considered assault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you, especially if it's big. If you got a big dick and you pull out a big old dick and start peeing on somebody's face, yeah, that's gonna be straight assault with a deadly weapon. The bigger the penis, the more time you're gonna get it. <laughs> ten, ten inches, ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's funny <laughs> oh man switching gears um young Dolph um unfortunately the rapper young Dolph was murdered um recently it's been what like about four by five days now mm-hmm. um and he was murdered outside of a uh in 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 Memphis in a cookie store called Makita's and he was going to get like some cookies and like some ice cream for his mom mm-hmm. right but there's so many things to really dive into when it comes to this. And, and it brought me right back to Nipsey Hussle when he passed. And what a lot of rappers need to understand is that whatever type of static they have in the streets or whatever issues they may have had, you know, when you come from these underserved areas and then you finally become successful, a lot of people don't forget about, like, you know, you being in the streets. And you may still have these enemies or these people. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, and, and, and I feel like with Dolph and Nipsey, it's two things that got them killed. One of them was survivor, survivor's guilt and ego. And I'm not to say like, oh, they were just to blame for their death. But it's survivor's guilt because you feel the need to always be around these people in these underserved areas that you, you came up from. You made it out the hood. You don't have to still be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still help people out, but to literally try to move around in the hood when you're driving a Ferrari, when you're driving a Lamborghini, you don't fit that place anymore. Not to judge the people that still live there, but you can't drive around in a place where people can't even afford a car driving a Lamborghini and think you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That's just not that's just not how it works. That's not how human beings work. Now, in a perfect world, we would say it shouldn't matter what you drive, you know, and you know, people want you to be a lot of rappers have this feeling like they still need to be good in their hood, even though they're successful. Bro, you're already good. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you're a millionaire, you're young, you you have a family, man. Yeah. I think that ultimately when ego grabs you. 
it could allow you to put yourself in places that when you when you grow, you can only be in so many places. You can only be in so many places when you grow as a man and as an artist and as a human being. And when you place yourself around a low-dwelling, low-vibrating area, then who knows what can happen to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think um, <clears throat> in that going back to that uh, that ego is uh, like an important part of it because there is a lot of artists, especially artists like from the hood that are, you know, like have gang ties and criminal ties and stuff like that. Yeah. I think a lot of them genuinely feel like they're untouchable. That's untouchable. right. Yeah. And, yeah. and and even with that, like some of them feel like even if I do get shot, like I, I'll still survive or, I'll, you know, that'll just be part of my story or something right. like that. And um, even with that, they think that or they believe that if um, if I do die, I'm going to die a legend. You know what I mean? If I, if somehow I end up, especially because you, you, we see it so often. We see, you know, especially like Biggie and Tupac when Biggie died. You know, it was right. streets was flooded. You know, at his at his funeral and stuff like that. And Pac, you know, obviously he's still. This nigga Pac been dead for uh, over two decades. Yeah, two decades. And, <clears throat> yeah, and um, and he's more popular than you know artists that are out today you know what i mean people still people still listen to his music like it's like it's brand new music so i say that to say like i think that there is like an affinity with with um like death sometimes you know and yeah. and not that they not that they want to die but i think if they do die they they believe like it's okay it's almost and not and i don't want to like to sound bad and i and if i'm offending any anybody i apologize in advance but um almost like a uh like a passive suicide in a sense mm. you know like they you know not that they want to kill themselves mm-hmm. but if they do happen to die like they can die in peace in a sense it's like they've accepted death as yeah. a part of the life that they live yeah exactly and it's like bro when it comes to that you need to think about your family and mm-hmm. you need to have adequate security when you go to these places you need because think about how people die, like Selena, the way she died. Yeah, you know, and she's not even a ga- like game. She's not member. in anything. Yeah. And you think about like it's people saying like, man, how could somebody hate Young Dolph? Man, that's crazy. How could they do that, bro? People hated Jesus Christ. Yeah, like if that's all you need <clears throat> to know. People hated Martin Luther King and tried to kill him multiple times. It doesn't matter what you do. Whenever you whenever you accomplish something massive, you will have people that hate you for it. Mm-hmm. Period. Just for being trying to be a good person mm-hmm. is enough for someone to hate you. They'll be like, "Oh, look at this motherfucker thinking they doing something. Who is this motherfucker? Mm-hmm. Who is that?" How many times? This is just for the average listener out here. How many times have you tried to better yourself? Whether you're trying to go on a diet or you're trying to make more money or make some type of career decision, and even your own family is like. Oh, so what you trying to work out now? Mm-hmm. Oh, what you trying to open a little business or something? Mm-hmm. And it's like your own family's envious. But imagine that being magnified times 20 when you come from the ghetto and you got a bunch of your peers that you grew up with that are broke and they're watching you with $200,000, $500,000 chains around your neck and you're driving around them in the hood. The biggest issue is you cannot be in a close proximity of people who fucking hate you because they will kill you. Mm-hmm. Rappers need to understand to stop being in the hood. Snoop Dogg 
don't go to the hood unless he's giving back. And he goes with adequate security. Um, we go with Daz Dillinger. Yeah, we go. <laughs> yeah, and the thing about it is, is uh, who's another one uh, that goes back but doesn't really go back? Oh, uh, Mozzie, the rapper Mozzie. Yeah. Shout out to Mozzie, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like that guy would be a great conversation on this podcast. Yeah. But Mozzie left Sacramento and he moved to Los Angeles because he was preserving himself. Mm-hmm. He said, if I would have stayed out there, you know, some I would have got <clears> caught up. Mm-hmm. And he made a smart decision. And, you know, he has a family. So mm-hmm. I think it was a smart thing for him to do. And I don't know how many rappers have to learn this lesson, but Nipsey was a smart guy. And he died in a way he shouldn't have. And I, and this is in no way, shape, or form to blame his death on him. But a little bit of that was ego. You can't believe that you could still exist in a neighborhood that has tons... Has a ton of has a ton of people that are not doing well, but I think with Nipsey it was it was a little bit um, like a poor timing. Yeah, because the guy that was you know to handle his security and stuff like I think he had just stepped in the store for like a few minutes or whatever, right. and then by the time he came out, like it had already happened. I think with Young Dolph, <clears throat> it was a little bit a little bit more carelessness as far as like yeah. you know being out there like pretty much dolo you know and you stepping into the store and 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 i don't know memphis like that but it seemed to be like in a uh you know impoverished neighborhood just like a a, like a cookie spot that got probably the best cookies in town but it's kind of in the hood a little bit and he just wanted to stop by and get something for his mom or whatever and it just it just happened that fast but i i think that do you think that is um primarily due to uh like gang like gang ties or gang affiliations or, and I don't even know what the Memphis mm-hmm. lifestyle is like, but um, I say that to say like, would that happen to a guy that doesn't speak about criminal activity in a, in a music? Honestly, I don't think it would. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, that's not going to happen to J. Cole. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen to uh, Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately with Young Dolph, I like Young Dolph a lot, but even in, in his music, um he spoke he spoke a lot of he had a lot of negative uh a lot of ne- a lot of negativity in his music to mm-hmm. be honest he did mm-hmm. um the same as king von um the same as uh juice world juice world talked about death all the time he talked about being on drugs all the time and he just came out with a song recently juice world that talked about his death oh he's still talking he's still dropping music yeah but this one is Come on, bro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Posthumously. Yeah. He's dropping music posthumously. Mm-hmm. And the song is literally describing his death. Yeah. Like, like, like present tense, but like mm-hmm. he made this in case he died. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about how That's scary, man. He said, I'm not making it past the age of 21 in some songs. And it's just like, and the Mac Miller had the same type of music. And it was about death a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck, like. The things that you that you manifest the most, whether they're good or bad, will come to fruition. And if they do, you're fucked or you're blessed. There's a it's, there's a huge difference be, between the things that 
are positive that you bring to fruition and the things that are negative. Yeah, and, I assume Dog had said that about the song Murder Was a Case. Murder Was a Case. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. And he said, ultimately, I had a murder case. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. That's crazy. And most people wouldn't even know. They would think that it came out afterwards. So I'm going to just start, like on his podcast, I'll be like, I need a big booty. I need a big booty. <laughs> I, I, need a, I need a big booty, a big booty Latina in my life. You said enough, man. It happened. Just keep saying it. Just like the Candyman. Yeah. You say Candyman enough, he'll pop up. Yeah. <laughs> That's comedy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is unfortunate. But um, Young Dolph also mentioned a lot about Yo Gotti and his music because um, he mentioned on The Breakfast Club that he and Yo Gotti had gotten to it because he had supposedly accidentally fucked Yo Gotti's uh, girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yo Gotti was mad about it and whatnot. Um, and even in some of his recent music, he'd be calling him a big head motherfucker and all kind of shit. And Young Dolph got shot. I believe it was in L.A. And then it was another attempt to kill him, but they shot at his car. He had a, a, a bulletproof truck. Shot at him a, a, over 100 times. What was that? It was that in Memphis? Memphis? I don't know if it was in Memphis. This other mm-hmm. time they tried to kill him was another time. But it That's was crazy. there's been multiple times they tried to kill Young Dolph, mm-hmm. and Dolph is moving around like this, and it's just not cool. Yeah, and then when the dude shot Young Dolph, they said Young Dolph shot back. But it's like, dog, if you gotta move around with a gun, you shouldn't be going to these places. If you need your gun to go to the store, you probably shouldn't be going to that store. Mm-hmm. I'm just being real. Yeah. Like it's it's fucked up. And now in Memphis, they got a they got a law where you don't need no license to get on. You just get a gun. That's a that's a law. Like you you could literally have a gun on you, and you also don't need a license to get a gun. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, especially in an area like that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you just you think about the South; it's just completely different the way they look at guns. Because yeah. I mean, it, it, to to us, uh, that uh, that's the thing that I always say. Like, excuse me, in California, that when we think about guns, primarily, obviously, there's people that you know got the. Uh, they license and stuff like that and register their guns and stuff. But because we're not like an open carry state, the way we view guns is completely different. Right. But when you in Texas and all these other places, like it's Arizona even, it's very normal for a person to just carry around a pistol on their hip and just walk into a store and buy some cigarettes and then, you know, leave. It's just, that's just the way that they, that they operate in those states. So it's just, it's just different, man. Yeah. I think... This is for everybody, though, man. Regardless of who you are, you need to understand that whenever you make a stride in life, there are going to be people who don't like that. And I think that you need to be able to to discern between who those people are and who the people are that want you to do better. And you need to cut those other people off Mm -hmm. because they're taking up space and you need to stay away from them. There are some people you simply need to stay away from, period. Not because you hate them. But because being around those people can complicate your life. Mm-hmm. And in his case, the complication was death. Yeah. he There was multiple. It's just crazy, bro. It's crazy. Like, I don't get why so many rappers feel like they are weak if they not good. Like, yeah, you're making all that money, but you're not good in your hood. Yeah. Like, why does me being good in the hood matter around a bunch of people that don't got no fucking money? Mm-hmm. I was trying to get out of here. I was successful. I don't owe you guys anything. It's 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 kind of like the like the like social dynamic that they right. created. If you're a gangster rapper, I guess 
um, you know, one the 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 whole no snitching thing. Yeah, like there's you know when you think when you think about it on the surface, like there's nothing actually wrong with snitching, but it's just the the energy that they put behind it to where yeah. you know ridiculous. It, it's, it's you know you know I find that funny <laughs> the whole no snitching thing, but because it was Young Dolph that passed away, a bunch of people on the internet trying to figure out who the murderer is. But they all these out. other murders that happened, no one got nothing to say. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to be a rapper for people trying to figure out who murdered you. Yeah. And that's not a slight, that's no, that's no diss to Dolph at all. At all. It's to the people. Because mm-hmm. the people want to figure out who shot him. But it's a whole bunch of people's kids that then died, innocent kids. Mm-hmm. And no one's really trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, mm-hmm. fuck, man. <clears throat> yeah, man. It's uh it's just, I think like as far as rap goes, I just I just hope that we can start learning from these situations. Like, you know, you mentioned a guy like Mozzie. Mozzie is moving the right way. Right. There's so much static in Sacramento. Like, you know, he's moving to um, to L.A. and he, he brought a lot of his team and his, you know, and, and a lot of people from his hood out to L.A. And um, they moving they moving really good out there. You know, Mozzie, and yeah. Mozzie is a person that's, uh, <clears throat> he's investing his money in the right way. Yeah. Um. And you know, he's still, he's still. I, I would say, like, the energy of his music is still very harsh. Um. But the lifestyle he lives, he's not, you know, broadcasting mm-hmm. being in the hood twenty four seven and stuff no. like that. And like, I think uh, Jay Z had a line about like, you know, y'all be in a pro- project hallways talking about how y'all be in the projects all day. That sounds stupid to me. If you're a gangster, this is how you prove it to me. So basically, it was. It's. It was a. Uh, it's been going on for forever, but yeah. it, it was an era where people was like getting the smack DVDs and all this yeah. other stuff where niggas would just be in the hood like, yo, I'm I'm good on my block. I'm good. And they, mind you, they multimillionaires, Stupid. platinum albums and all this kind of stuff. And you just, you just don't, you just don't know what, what people feel about you, how, what people think about you. It's always, you know, it's always going to be somebody that think that they should be where you are. I think that they're a good rapper too, and they just never got a fair shake or something like that. And yeah, you just got to protect yourself from all think, that possibility. I think that when you when you um, you amass a certain level of success in general, I think we're going to go through it. I think as this podcast continues to grow mm-hmm. and it continues to get bigger, and eventually we make a breakthrough, there's going to be people like, man, Eddie ain't nobody, man. Like I I, talk, I I wanted to be on the podcast and you know they was like not let me get on like man fuck them man yeah and it's like what mm-hmm. like me and Keith don't think we're better than anyone we just put in the work and the time and we actually care deeply about the content yeah but there I'm positive there's going to be people in the future that is like man fuck Eddie he ain't nobody mm-hmm. man fuck Keith and his glasses man yeah a lot of people don't like your stances already so. They, know, it's gonna get crazy. they don't, and I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't like my stance, create your own platform and talk about what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I encourage. That's why I encourage a lot of people to start podcasts because they will have an opinion on social media that has limited characters on whether it's Twitter or on Facebook. But then when it comes down to actually having a conversation, they can't talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm blessed and I'm thankful that I have the energy and I have the passion. To get on the microphone and speak my mind and do it in long form. Mm-hmm. So if you are wondering why I have this stance on something, you have two hours to 
really grasp why I feel the way I feel, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. versus a person that's just like a uh, social media uh, activist, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what did Kendrick say? Uh, what did he say on that Baby Keem song? I'm ducking the, o- the overnight activist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, uh, he said, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a trending topic. I'm a prophet. Yeah. And that was powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't think people caught that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not this motherfucker on here trying to be a trending topic or trying to be a convenient activist. Like yeah. I don't, I pop up when I want. And I really am passionate about stuff, so I'm not gonna right. just be tweeting when something happened just because y'all want me to. Right. It's um, a schoolboy Q that happened with him when Nipsey died. They was like, "Yo, why ain't so schoolboy Q said nothing?" And then when he finally said something, he's like, "Yo, man, like I'm mourning in real life. Mm-hmm. Like I don't gotta come to social media and mourn on here to y'all. Like." I'm mourning in real life, and that's true. Mm-hmm. We've had this, and, and we've had this disconnection. Like, we think that we have to express something on social media for it to be real in reality, and that's fucking backwards. Yeah, we think that we got to <clears throat> take a picture of our significant other every other day to for people to know that we love them. I what, think this fucking stupid. Yeah. In addition to um, other things too. Go ahead. I, I think that even with the. And I, I don't think that's the case. Um, but, you know, if, if you're from California, you understand there's street politics involved. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is a case for that. But I say that to say, like, when Tupac died, not everybody was sad. No. There were some people that felt like he deserved what he got, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for jumping the dude in, in, the, in the casino or whatever. Really bad energy before he died. Really bad. Same as Dolph, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So I say that to say, like, you know, you can't just you can't just go and pick out schoolboy Q or no. whatever rapper or whatever just and you know, like that's that's the same thing I think that happens. Like we, we always feel like we need to lean on somebody when we're in an, an emotional state. Yeah. Like you it's it's one thing to get your feelings off and express yourself to, to somebody else, but it's not it's not we don't need to find a person in the world that feels the same way as we do. Like, you got to go through your own struggle. Like, if True. you felt sad that Nipsey Hussle passed away, like, why do you need to hear Schoolboy Q say, man, I'm sad about this situation? Because we have an infatuation with people with a platform. Mm-hmm. It's an unhealthy infatuation. Like, before before I could, like, validate how I feel about myself from myself, I need to make sure you're sad too first so I can feel sad. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Some people don't even know how to feel. They wake up in the morning and turn on the news and they turn on social media and check with social media before they know how to fucking feel on the, on their own. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have independent thinkers anymore. Mm-hmm. Most people are part of an echo chamber or they need to verify with social media before they can really like have an emotion towards something. And it's yeah. like, dog, I could wake up in the morning and just text key some shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like I really felt that. Like mm-hmm. I remember I just text Keith one morning. I was like, yo. Like, I see something on TikTok, and then I send it to Keith. And I was like, yo, Chris Brown should be in prison. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Rihanna case. Yeah, this motherfucker was biting Rihanna. He he pulled over, stopped, punched her, then he bit her again. This motherfucker's a sociopath. Yeah. Is he a great artist? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's sad how somebody's great art could, like, Dilute the fact that they are crazy. Mm-hmm. The shit that Chris Brown did, he had to be under a lot, like under the influence of a lot of drugs. Because mm-hmm. to bite, like bite, he bit her, bro, multiple times. Mm-hmm. That's the danger of like when you're 
he's been uh, in the limelight since he was probably like 15, 16 years old. You know what I mean? So probably the majority of his life. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, they go, those celebrities, especially kids, they go through a lot. They see a lot. And then especially coming from, you know, we, that's not even accounting. First of all, you're seeing a lot as a celebrity. Um, and then you're also seeing a lot in your home life. So, you know, you bottle all that up. And that's why you see all the, like, I remember they had a whole series on, uh, I think it was on E!, it was like Child Babylon or something like that. Mm. And it was all these child stars from the 70s and 80s and the 90s. Fucking Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, all these people, where they, whether it is, you know, doing drugs or getting arrested, like Robert Downey Jr., these kind of people. And you, you, you realize, like, you know, part of that is because they've been famous for so long and their lifestyle is just not. And, and then there's also a lot of times there's no repercussions for, some, like, you, because you think about, like, what they say, like you learn about, uh, you learn not to touch the stove, like right, like after you touch the stove. Like your mom mm-hmm. could tell you, "Hey, don't touch the stove," and then you still want to touch it and see like exactly how hot it is. Mm-hmm. But what happens with um, with kids, if, if, you know, if we're using that same analogy or whatever, it's almost like you touch the stove, but it's not hot, or you know, you got a glove on that protects you from getting from getting burned. So you kind of could, in in terms of like celebrity status, you know, they get some community service. They may get, they may do something that really deserves five or six years, but they may get two months in prison. Or, you know, it's just, you know, it's an unrealistic way that they're punished. And, you know, that leads to them doing crazier and crazier stuff. And also, it comes from a lot of yes men, too. Mm-hmm. When I feel like the people around an artist or a, a big personality um, can cripple them mm-hmm. because. If if somebody's not holding you accountable and questioning the shit you do, you're just going to assume it's okay. Mm-hmm. So Chris Brown probably done slapped a lot of women. He done probably pushed them down and shit, and no one in his crew said nothing. Yeah. Because they want to be on... A lot of these guys that are around these artists are on their payroll. Yeah, They got guys that are, le- they got guys that are leeching off of them for all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. You got the dude. There are some dudes that have professional blunt rollers. Mm-hmm. There are literally guys that roll weed as a job for celebrities. Yeah, they're the weed guy. Mm-hmm. And you think the weed guy is going to tell him, "Hey, man, I don't think that's right. You shouldn't be beating on those women over there." You no, he's not going to say nothing. His mm-hmm. job, he got the best job in the world: mm-hmm. smoke weed and be around Chris Brown and don't have an opinion and don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. I can't do that because if I see something Keith does and I don't like it, I'll tell him. Mm-hmm. If Keith sees something I don't, that I'm doing and he don't like it, mm-hmm. he'll tell me. It's like an accountability thing. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a man with integrity, that can happen. And to tie it all in, to tie it all in, I'll say this. I don't know who Dolph hung around or whatnot, but maybe his circle um, subscribed to his thought process. Like, yeah, you ain't got to be afraid. Of, you good in your hood, bro. Just come over here. You good. Somebody in his circle should have been like, bro. Um, you should not be coming down here. If you need me to come down there, I'll do it. You know, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but it's like fuck, man. He would still be here today. Nipsey would still be here today, also, had he not thought it was okay to be around the area with high crime and poverty. And it is a proven fact that in places of poverty, there is high crime because there are no resources. When there's no resources in the area, it's more likely to have crime. And it doesn't matter who's in it. 
Like, it, it's not a black thing for all those that are like, yeah, black areas. No, motherfucker. You know how many poor white areas in America that got a lot of crime? Mm-hmm. The, the Apple, probably like in, like, was it the Appalachia? Them people that's, that's broke as fuck, they mm-hmm. probably be hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Oildale, meth, every, it's, a, it's, I won't say it's predominantly white, but it's still populated as a pretty white part of town. Mm-hmm. And it's a meth problem out there, and a lot of people getting robbed and beat up, and people stealing catalytic converters. Where there's low resources, there will be crime. Yeah. And where there is crime, I will not be if I'm rich. I will be somewhere, and and uh, drinking a, a mint julep, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, chilling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Um, not my, the mic cut out for a second. Oh, it's, it's back on now. I don't know what the I moved the you phone. I hit something. I about to hit something over there. I was like, mm-hmm. "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, yeah, we're back on. You see it? Yeah, we're good. We're good. I just moved this. It was sitting on top of the uh, the interface. Mm. Yeah, but let me take that. I don't need that anymore. But there's that. Um, rest in peace. To rest young in peace Dolph. to Young Dolph, man. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace to Young Dolph. Um, just the, the point of the conversation was to talk about it in its totality, mm-hmm. not to blame young Dolph for his own demise, mm-hmm. but just to say like, yo, um, the older we get, the more we should strip ourselves of ego. Mm-hmm. My, my ultimate goal is to be egoless, mm-hmm. you know, that will allow me to be more receptive to the things that, that help and protect me yeah. rather than put me in dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Switching gears. Um, men's mental health. For all those, I don't know if you realize it's Men's Mental Health Month. I haven't seen a lot of things on social media. I haven't seen a lot of things. I haven't seen anybody post about it. But it, it is Men's <coughs> Mental Health Month. Um, and I don't have the specific numbers, which I should have. Um, but when it comes to suicide and all these things, men are driving those numbers horrifically. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the reason why Men's Mental Health Month is important is based on the fact that you should want men who are strong in their mental health. I think we do a good job in, you know, lifting weights and being strong there, but we're we're mentally weak in a lot of ways. There are mm-hmm. a lot of men who can't even express themselves to their own friends. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like like Desmond, my best friend of over 20 years, Keith's brother, we end every phone call with I love you. Mm-hmm. Every single phone call, because we have that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a hit to your masculinity to tell your friend that you love them. There are some men that never told their friend that they loved them until the day of their funeral. Mm-hmm. You know, like man, you know, and it's unfortunate that we have these things. But it's it, this is an extremely nuanced uh, conversation. Yeah, I'll just give a couple examples. I don't think. I think we need to normalize saying kind things or nice things to men. And I don't think that it happens. For example, with men, when we communicate more times it's in the it's under the like the guise of, I guess, of um insults or jokes. Like, look at this ugly bastard. Ah, you fucking ugly motherfucker. Ah, this mm-hmm. guy's ugly. Oh, he's dr- he's drunk. Oh, he's broke. Oh, he's it's never really like, hey man, I like your car, man. Mm-hmm. Hey man, hey, I seen you've been working hard in the gym, bro. You getting those gains, man. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep working. Mm-hmm. What the fuck with my phone? God damn it. Anyways, um, we don't we don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. 
Jeez Louise, turn this shit down. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Damn it, man. Um, we don't do that enough, right, as men to other men. We don't compliment men. We don't really say enough nice things to other men. We need to normalize that. If you see a dude with a nice hat or a nice car or nice shoes or something and you want to say it, say it. And then you will notice that that man is awkwardly receiving your compliment because he's not used to getting them. And then women, what makes it bad is women don't compliment men either at all. Women do a really, oh my God, they say nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you the evidence. Some women are like, that's not true. I compliment people. No, you don't. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Here's why. More times than not, women are afraid to compliment the average guy walking around telling them that they like his shoes, that they like his hat, because they're afraid that the guy will hit on them. So they don't say anything. They don't say any they don't say hey I like your hat, I like your shoes. They don't want the they don't want the guy to think that they like them, so they don't tell men shit. The only men that get compliments from women are guys that they consider sexually attractive on average. That is it. Mm -hmm. That is it. Now, it could be an uncle or a brother or a cousin. They may give a compliment, but that don't happen all that much either. But just women out in the world, there are way more men that walk up to strangers, I mean, to women who are strangers and say, I just think you're beautiful. I just want to let you know you're beautiful. Women don't walk up to men and say, I think you're handsome. Mm -hmm. Ever. Yeah. Ever. I'm not saying y'all going to do it or you need to do it. I'm not trying to tell women what to do. I'm just telling you what the real landscape of the world is. Y'all don't say shit nice to men at all. It's not that you're saying anything mean. You just don't say shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you don't want men to, I guess, uh, think that you're interested. Mm -hmm. The only times you normally will get those compliments from women is when, you know, they do find you attractive. And, and it's like if you tell them, hey, I think you're beautiful. Like, hey, I think you look good, too. Boom, there goes a compliment, mm -hmm. but not much. Mm -hmm. But we live in a society where a lot of men feel like they are not seen. Yeah. Um, and that's the point I'm trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we, we also make a huge mistake that, like, for example, I've had some women tell me, like, you know, um, or they told me that, you know, I, I feel safe with you, which is a, the highest compliment a woman can tell you, actually, because women go through shit in life, right? Mm -hmm. They Some men are you know aggressive or um uh, uh creepy or whatever so if a woman tells you that that's a high level of respect they have for you mm -hmm. but newsflash ladies men want to feel safe too yeah men want to feel safe they want to be able to feel like if they start crying they don't gotta hide it from you like i've heard a man say at a funeral like man i can't cry in front of my girl man and I'm like, bro, like, what? Like, well, Do you think that's her or do you think that's him? Just his own pride? Or I think it's a mixture. I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's like, it, it's, 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 it's societal problems with men that don't feel like they can open up. Because one, they don't feel like nobody cares. And then they also feel that it's weak. Mm -hmm. And then if, if a woman tells you, they'll just say, that's just toxic masculinity. That's their fault. If they can't open up, they just put it up. But at the same time, like, yo, how safe are you making that man feel? Because mm -hmm. that's another thing. You can't just blame it on toxic masculinity because yeah. another one is how safe. If I should be able to cry, yell, whatever to get my emotions out, and my girlfriend and my, or my wife should be there for me. 
Yeah. Right? The same way that a man will be there for a woman, if she's crying and she needs to express herself, we just accept it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, men, if they express themselves, they got to worry about backlash later. If you get in an argument, like, oh my God, you're just so fucking emotional and you cry about everything because some women do that shit. Mm -hmm. And when men trust a woman and a woman turns around and throws that shit back on him, that's mm-hmm. a that's just a bad bad recipe, man. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think there are a lot of you. You were talking about like um, a lot of men feel like they aren't seen, like in terms of like you know if if they get a new haircut and they show up to work and nobody right. says anything or you know those yeah. those kind of things. But I also think that. Um, there are a lot of men that feel like they're not being heard. And oh, uh, yeah. that's um, equally as detrimental. Yeah. Because what happens is, um, you know, say in, in terms of, of a relationship or something like that, like, you know, a woman can can tell a man, like, that they that they want a man that's vulnerable. They want a man that, you know, expresses their emotions and stuff like that. Um, but they also at the same time, like want to control their emotions. So mm. if, a, if a man is coming home and he's, he's, um, the, the way he expresses himself is not, um, ideal or <clears throat> excuse me, the way he is, he expresses himself doesn't come out like you want it to. Mm. The woman could kind of like shun that off. Like, Oh, you don't, or it, you know, maybe a man could be like, um, uh, you know, Hey, how was work? Oh, work was work. It, you know, it was whatever. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pretty much over it. And that could come off as like you don't care about anything. You don't care about like supporting your family and all this right. kind of stuff. But I just say that to say like there are a lot of men that actually want to be that they want to have or they need the um, the ability to express themselves. They need right. the ability the ability to to just get some stuff off of, off of their chest. But what happens a lot of times is like men will sacrifice so much, like sacrifice their mental health in ter- uh, for the sake of their family, whether that's working um, very, very long hours or being the sole provider for, for the, the family, um, you know, working sometimes six days a week or working like, you know, these rolling schedules and all these different things uh, for a family. And, there is this, this uh, first of all, the pressure of um, holding the family down. And then there's also this like anxiety that comes with like their partner. You know what I mean? So in terms of like doing the best thing for um, a, a man's mental health, a lot of times the, the best solution is just peace. Because there are a lot of guys that I know personally, uh, I was talking to one of my guys the other day and he was talking about like, man, he did everything. Like he he was a sole provider for for his family. He had a, he had a wife at the time. He, he he was a sole provider for his wife. Um, she was a stay at home you know stay at home mom. He took care of all the bills. He was working so many hours. He had a really really good job. Um, he would you know if she felt bad about something whatever he might get her flowers. You know if she felt uh, insecure about body parts or whatever he may pay for those type of things. He did all that only wow. to come home every single day and be arguing. You know what I mean? So, and you know, sometimes an argument is not necessarily the woman's fault. It's, you know, it's a a culmination of of both people. But, you know, in terms of like, in terms of like this mental health conversation, like, 
you would think that if a woman is just staying at home and she's not necessarily like having to work so many hours, she would put in the effort to just bring peace to bring peace to this this man that's putting in, you know, that's that's risking his mental health on a daily basis to, um, you know, to provide for the family instead of like adding on to it when you come home. And you talked about like, you know, you had an example of a guy that was working like 12 hour shifts and then he come home and then the, the girl hand the baby to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, so it just I just think overall there's a lack of concern or care for like the the man's mental health. And in uh, uh, my last point, even in terms of like how women view relationships, right? So say say like uh there's a you you're dating this woman or you might be married or whatever the case may be and she's like very familiar with the family and stuff like that and you know Thanksgiving is coming up, so you may pop up to Thanksgiving and your girl, your significant other is not there. You know what the first question they're going to ask is, after they ask like where she's at, what did you do? Mm. And it's not, it's not even, it, 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 she could have cheated on you. She could have yeah. done all kind of different stuff. But in terms of that, it's just a, it's a lopsided way of looking at, you know, how, uh, how we view the concern for women and then the concern for their mental health and, you know, vice versa. I think, I think there's a lot of um, sayings out there like, you know, happy wife, happy life, or like, you know, the woman is the prize and all of this. But um, let me be clear, right? You say happy wife, happy life. So, you know, does the relationship being good, is it based around making the woman happy? Is that is that what a lot of women, is that the narrative you've bought into? Because I'm going to yeah. tell you guys right now, while you saying, while you believe in these happy wife, happy life, and a woman is the prize, your boyfriend's about two days away from blowing his fucking head off, okay? So how literally. about- Literally. So how mm-hmm. about you just stop for one fucking moment and take a moment to think about what's going on with him. I, I made a comparison. It was like, um, imagine you work for this massive company, right? And the company starts growing, and the company's doing good, and the numbers are doing good, and they're making more money. But the employees aren't happy, right? So one party is happy. The, the employer is extremely happy because this business is booming, but if his business is booming, do you think he takes any time out of his day to see what's going on with the employees? No, because as long as it, long as shit's going good for him, then he ain't worried about the employees. Mm-hmm. This is what happens with a lot of relationships, too, or just a lot of people out in the world. Like, you have to look, if you say, like, I feel good, but at that moment, you need to take time to consider how that other person's feeling. Like, you genuinely need to look at it because mm-hmm. sometimes it's lopsided. Am I saying that women are the cause for men committing suicide? I'm not making that statement at all. But what I am saying is, especially after I listened to a TED Talk, there was a TED Talk of a woman that said her relationship was fine, but she would catch her husband in these moments where he just seemed like he was kind of down. And she called him multiple times. She would ask him if everything was okay. And it seemed like he was all right. But then on her birthday, he left her a note. And it was a suicide note. He killed himself on her birthday. And she didn't figure out what was wrong with him until after he took his own life. I, 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 I'll say this. For a lot of women, this should be a call to action. I think that you need to take more time and consider what your man is going through. 
Because life ain't just great being a man. It's not so just peachy like a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Oh, you're a man. Boo-hoo. I feel sorry for you. Don't let feminists fool you because there's a lot of feminists out there that have man hate. I'm all for feminism, but I'm not for the man hate. And a lot of it has become intertwined into this idea, right, where men just have it so great. It's a lot of men out there that are tired. You know how many men tell me, man, I'm just tired, bro. They work in 12, 14-hour days. But it's a different tired, though. It's not a physical tired. They be like, man, I'm tired. And, and there's, like, there's context to tired. I, I think that, that, that um, we definitely want to be careful with like, uh, the, how, I guess, how women can make men depressed and how women can kind of weigh on a, a man's mental health. But um, I will say in terms of examples and, and people that I've spoke to about, you know, their own mental health struggles and stuff like that. And I will say that from the people that I've spoken to, there are some people that have definitely um, used the the partner that they were dealing with at the time or the, the amount of arguments that mm-hmm. they had or, you know, just the the the... Un, un, lack of stability at, mm-hmm. at you, you know in their home life after getting off of work and working at jobs that they don't care for and all these kind of right. things like it's definite it definitely um i guess that the relationship with their partner or whatever definitely did not help right, um, right, and, right. and sometimes even hurt you know their mental health to where they they wanted to end it they you know whether it was like notes like you said or you know pulling over to uh you know, driving, uh, driving recklessly or, you know, all these different mm-hmm. things or overdoses or whatever the case may be. I, I just hear it time and time again. And, and I think that it, it saddens me so much because I know that that's, that's something that seems like so easy to, to, to maneuver. Right. Like, you know, if you know that you're in a, a relationship with somebody and you know that, you know, whatever you're doing is not causing them um, to be mentally healthy, mm-hmm. I think one like leaving them is is a, a better option than like uh, like trying to like consist consistently put up with this toxicity. But I think sometimes like you know what happens with with those type of relationships too. Like we kind of not that you want to put any blame on the person that's dealing with the the mental health issues, but like. You know, we, we sometimes want to, like, keep the family dynamic together. You know, you mm-hmm. want to fight through this. You know, if you're married, you've been married for so long, like, oh, you want to, you want to, um, you know, do everything possible to keep the marriage together if you have kids and all this kind of stuff. And that, I, I'm telling you, so many times and hearing people's stories and knowing people personally, like, you just see the struggles that they're dealing with. And a lot of times, like, a, a woman is involved. And I think... Um, yeah. What happens too, and like some of the stuff could be so 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 small. You know what I mean? Like when you when you think about a person, a, a man that's working, you know, maybe in the oil fields or working some sort of job that is like very uh, taxing, and something as simple as like a woman coming home and she complaining about her day consistently. Oh you know what I mean? It, and it, 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 it's uh, taxing for a lot of people because I know me personally, I'm a, I'm an empath, meaning like 
when you hear about these stories, like you kind of take on the emotions of the person telling you these things. So for if there's anybody out there that's like me and you're working at a job where you're trying to your, your, your mental health is holding on by a string, you work in, you know, a, a very dangerous job and then you kind of bottle your emotions in because you don't feel like you have the platform in your relationship to get it off. And then your wife uh, comes home and she's complaining consistently about her yeah. coworker. Yeah. Oh, such and such is sleeping with him, and and all that. Like you're just consuming all this negativity after being, yeah. you know, dealing with that for hours and hours. And that's just the type of stuff that men go through. And I feel like a lot of men don't really have the platform um, to get it off. And I think even with that, it's important for for us, like as men, to um, communicate with other men. You know what I mean? Because I, I I think like. Oftentimes, you know, we be in our own world and we don't necessarily have the time to take on everybody's problems or listen to everybody's issues. But, um, you know, if you feel something on your heart, like even me the other day, there's a there's a guy up here in our office. Um, that's a neighbor. He's a, he's an assistant to a lawyer and I see him in passing and I'm usually on the move. Uh, excuse me. I'm usually on the move doing doing my own thing. But I've heard him like two times now tell me that mention being lonely, like, Man. like he, cause he's an assistant lawyer, but the guy that is the head guy, he, I guess he doesn't be there. I mean, I guess he's not there that often. Right. So I chop it up and you know, the casual, Hey, how you doing? I always like, I always ask him like, Hey, how you getting acclimated to the space and stuff like that. And then he'd be like, eh, you know how it is. It's just, you know, I'm usually there by myself. So he said it once and I just kind of like brushed it off. And then he said it again and I was like, oh, this is like a pattern. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know what his mental health is like or whatever the case may be. But, you know, just most people, we're not built, most people aren't built to be alone like that. No. You know what I mean? And he may come from a space where there was actually more people that he was working with and then they kind of broke off and did their own thing. And now he's just sitting there. So I basically, you know, I was telling that to somebody else. And he was like, bro, if it's on your heart, go talk to him. Like, yeah. you know, go over there and say, bring him a, you know, a soda or cookies or whatever the case may be. And just like. Just make up an interaction. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's a it could be a million people passing you on a daily basis and you could still I mean, be very lonely. I think what this is what I will say is this is, is like, once again, I'll reiterate, we're not trying to make this a woman, woman on man problem. But I think in order for women to be more aware of men's mental health, what I want you to do is not probe your husband or boyfriend and ask them a bunch of questions. I want you to pay attention to their interactions. Pay attention from the time he leaves, from the time he comes back. And you'll be like, fuck, that's 16 hours. So before you want to open your mouth about some trivial shit, understand he was probably at a job that he did not want to be at. Okay, He spent more time at that job than he wanted to spend. And then when he came home, he probably just wanted to either watch football or watch a show or just talk to you. Just talk to his girl or his wife about regular stuff, about something they seen that was funny or something like that. But when you go right into bringing up nagging about something or, you know, you're mad at a first world problem like, oh, this is this. I can't believe this happened. You can't expect some peop- a man to be as enthusiastic about something that's bothering you. When in actuality, what he's dealing with is a whole nother level. Because what women need to understand is as a man, when you can't provide for your family, you are worthless. So nobody prepares you for that. So we go, we go off into a world where we are expected. Let's be clear. 
We're expected. How many women do you hear, especially on social media, about how many men are just trash and how they're not providers because they what? Expect a man to be a provider. And as men, if we can't provide, we're worthless. So whatever we got to do, we got to do that to take care of our families. That's a pressure. Then we also have to be emotionally available for you. When you're going through shit, we got to listen. And you guys, women have gotten so comfortable with expressing themselves, but not comfortable enough to listen. So what happens is if we do express ourselves, you kind of invalidate it or argue with it. And then we just don't want to hear it. So we just give up and we stop coming to you with anything because we get tired. A lot of men are tired for more than a physical sense. But mentally, they checked out a long fucking time ago, a long time ago. There's a lot of men out there, especially now that I know, especially truck drivers or guys around my age that are just single and they're content with it. And it's because they don't have the energy. Like me, I already work a job that consumes a lot of my time. Yeah. But I have to be sure that I have somebody that is not going to... um, Somebody at least is going to be available. One thing that I see too, like with 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 those kind of situations, like I think that I think that men express themselves more often than like you know people would recognize or women would like to recognize. But I think it comes in in different shapes and forms, and I think it's often not given the attention as like the as the opposite goes, right? So, like for uh, for women, they you know, they may complain about work or they may complain about uh, their friend or they may complain about um, their sister or their brother or whatever the case may be. Um, and then we're supposed to, like, you know, be there, be supportive uh, in, in that capacity, right? Sometimes it, for for a man, it could be as simple as, like, yo, honey, like, I work all week. When the Cowboys is on, I would just like some peace and quiet. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I you know, you can talk to me. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you to shut up, but like, you know, just just make sure I have enough peace. Don't be asking me to come and help you cook, or don't be, you know, don't be asking me to fold clothes or whatever. Like it's a three hour gap. I just want to watch my game in peace because yeah. I work all week, right? But you know, as as much as the the woman's you know complaining about her friends or family or whatever the case may be, that that um, idea or that uh, desire for a man is equally as important. Yeah. And oftentimes it doesn't get the same amount of respect because it's not comparable to the woman. You said so, a key word. Go ahead. So, yeah. So in terms of that situation, when, you know, when the, the man's uh, uh, desires is not met, when she's asking him to go walk the dog when the game is on or whatever the case, or when she says, oh, it's just a game, you can watch it later. Whenever that idea is just dismissed or minimized, um, it just feels like, hey, I can't even... I can't even express myself. Like I deal with work. Work is whatever. I don't need to come home and talk to you about my day at work. But the thing that I appreciate or the thing that bring, brings me the most peace at the end of the week is just watching the Cowboys get their ass whooped every single Watching Jerry Jones get older every game. <laughs> no, nah, but that's a real thing. I feel like there's a lot of men out there that be like, hey, all I want is some peace. All I want is, um, hey, when you come home, can you make sure that, you know, you pick up the, 
the the dog doodle around the house, uh, around the backyard or whatever. Or hey, can you? Um, I I just ask you, please, just you know, when I come home, would you mind uh, setting you know my my lunch out for the next? You know, it's just like some like the most simplest things, mm-hmm. but because they're not like so emotional in terms of like what a woman may experience, it just kind of get get brushed off, passive, you know? and then you know, in turn, it it just always feels like as a man. We're adhering to all the woman's needs, desires, and emotions. And when we come with something, it just kind of gets brushed to the side. Like, oh, it's just football. Oh, it's just lunch. He'll he'll figure it. Oh, it's just you know, it's it's just his work boots. Yeah. He'll he'll get it together. So. I think women have a perception that we're like like I think a lot of women feel like we don't have um, like feelings. Yeah, I really do believe it. It's crazy. Didn't Beyonce come out with a song called "If I Was a Boy"? Yeah. Women really think men don't got feelings. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how many of us been treated like shit by women and crapped on and lied to and stolen from and yeah. we all men have emotions and men have feelings. Yeah. Right? And and I think here's the thing too though. I don't want to d- just jump all over the place. You said a key word, that's respect. I think and especially when it comes to um any form of a relationship with women, women want love, right? Which I think they deserve. Mm-hmm. But men won't respect. Respect is love to men. Mm-hmm. And when we tell you some shit and you don't respect it, we interpret that as like, you don't love me. Yeah, that's not love. You know? <laughs> because I don't, especially, I shouldn't have to tell your ass something multiple times for you to get it mm-hmm. over and over and over. You should respect me enough that when I say it, I'm not forcing it on you, but I'm letting you know, hey, this is a thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because women will have no problem voicing that. And I think you should respect your girl or your wife or whoever. If she doesn't like you throwing your pants down after you get off of work, put them in the fucking thing like she told you to. Yeah. To keep some peace in the house. But when those things aren't reciprocated from one person or the other, it's just showing that like this person said in their ways. They're not really going, they're not trying to change shit. Mm-hmm. And, and this is all a part of a conversation of the mental health thing because... um. Men don't go it alone. Most men do have are married or have girlfriends or whatever. And I think that since the overall conversation about when you this if you just close your eyes and you think about feelings, right? Or you think about emotions, you don't think of men. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't think of men at all. And that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Right? And I think we should take more time to look at the men in our lives. And and see if they're okay, yeah. but it's a certain way you got to do it. You can't just go ask a man robotically, "Hey, are you okay?" They're gonna tell you yes every time. Every, yeah, they're gonna tell you yes every time. And it's a cheap question. It's a cheap question. It's got to be more in depth. Like you need to pay attention to what your husband, your 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 boyfriend, your dad, your brothers, your uncles, whoever. Pay attention to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Look at how difficult it could be. Imagine they'd be like, "Hey, a lot of men get tasked from people, and the people don't consider what they're going through." I need you to pick the kids up after you get off of work, and then stop by the store and grab me something from Starbucks, and then come over here. But you forgot that this guy worked a fifteen fucking hour shift. And you got all these tasks for this person? That yeah. means you're not even considering his time. I th- I think even that's a relationship issue, but that's a uh 
also like it goes from man to man as well. Exactly. Like, <clears throat> I was just talking to um the guy that does he's working the the plumbing at her house and he like people call him all the time. Like he's yeah. like, Man, I turned down so many jobs just because I'm I'm so spread thin and I can only work on so many different things. And uh, I was telling him, I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. And, you know, I was like, I kind of get spread thin myself, just people, you know, pulling you in so many different directions. Yeah. And it, it, it could be a day where you just down and you just, you know, you're not feeling it and you don't, you don't uh, have the desire to, to communicate with, with people or whatever. And you just need a day just to clear your head. Yeah. And somebody will hit you up like, hey, uh, like you want to shoot this music video or hey, like basically, you know. Um, asking you or pulling you in a direction when you're, they're not actually concerned about how you're how you're doing. They today. don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And I think we get that a lot from men. Mm-hmm. So this is not about a woman bashing segment. This mm-hmm. is more or less a lot of men don't have that empathy because they don't really have examples of how to display it. I remember Keith. I'm not going to go into specifics. You mm-hmm. had a family member who passed, mm-hmm. and someone still asked you to help them with some uh, music video shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I just said, I mean, man, fuck that motherfucker. Man. <laughs> yeah, I've known Keith just. I've known Keith longer than pretty much everyone that he's involved with in, in whether it's the shooting videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I respect Keith's time the most. And the reason why is I tell Keith all the time I love him. We text each other the mm-hmm. other day, you know, with that. But here's the thing. I respect his time. Mm-hmm. I'm not, if, if I call Keith and he don't answer the phone, I'm going to leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. Not going to keep calling him until he's, that's just not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, barging in on his time. Like, bro, everybody doesn't have the mental capacity to talk. Yeah, man. Especially depending on the subject matter. Mm-hmm. If it's not something that brings them value or they don't are not in the right headspace to cooperate. Mm-hmm. Man, bro, I'm not going to say no names, but I know a dude that I was working with and his girl called him 24-7. Mm-hmm. 24-7 calling all day on the phone, calling, 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 calling. And I didn't say nothing, but I'm like, yo, this has got to be taking a fucking beating on this guy's mental health. The, the amount of codependency... Yeah, and just this unhealthy phone call. Like, how much did you need to call me, man? Yeah, he got to put up with that. You don't got to put up with it. It's, he don't have to. But yeah, he, you know he has to kind of. It's just like, yo, we need to like overall. This is the conversation is men's mental health, but I think all of us need to question the type of shit that we do, um, and also just not be kind to one another. Um, yeah, we I, we've known. Um, I know some people, not too many, but I've known a few or of people that have uh, unfortunately committed suicide. Yeah. And there's some things that are symptomatic. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of can see some things. You know, there's a prequel to these things. Mm -hmm. And you don't always know all of them, but sometimes I just reach out to people randomly. I'm like, hey, man, I just want to let you know. Um, I'll I'll just text somebody or inbox them and just check up on them. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And by the time, sometimes you check up on them and they'd be like, man, thank you for checking on me, man. I'm good, man. Everything's good, man. God bless you. Yeah. You know, and that you could tell that that kind of meant something to them. Yeah. I think, um, and you know, with that, I will even say like, I, if anybody out there that needs to like speak to a therapist or something like that, like, and I say that as a person that is in therapy, like I've, and it, it's ironic. I actually started, um, I think I started this month. Um, so I had not even known it was like men's mental health month or whatever, but, um, you get a discount. 
<laughs> it's or my insurance pays for it. Use the discount code Keith's uh, Keith's Counseling. <laughs> hashtag eight truckers. <laughs> hashtag Keith's Keith, <laughs> Therapist. Hashtag twenty percent discount. <laughs> but no, I think um, it's it's more accessible. That's that's my point. It's more accessible than than people think. Um, you know, there's there's people obviously that. You know, they may charge the $300 an hour, $190 an hour or whatever. But there's also um, people that, you know, take certain, um, you know, uh, what you call it, medical insurance. And, you know, you just got to find the, you know, the person that, that fits your your specific needs or whatever the case may be. But it's definitely accessible because it, it, the reason I think that, you know, it's, it's so important because there's some stuff that we can't. We don't have the tools to fix on our own. Right. You know, I think for me, like a, a lot of the stuff I've dealt with in my life, whether it's my relationship with my dad or whatever the case may be, um, you know, I've, I was able to kind of like, you know, maneuver through that and kind of think through that and meditate through that and, and you know, and, and come to a, a place where I'm in good spirits. But there are some stuff that is just above like our own understanding. And I think that's, you know, the good thing about uh, having a therapist and but uh, but even with that like what i've realized you know when you're when you're a person that um is like easy to talk to and you know people kind of lean on you for um for you know getting stuff off of their chest i think that's good and i think that's you know that's okay sometimes but when you have your own set of issues like your friend or your boyfriend or your mom or your sister, whatever the case, they don't get paid enough to take in all of that, you know, all of that baggage that you are bringing towards them. And I say that to say, like, that's the the um, that's the job of a therapist. You know what I mean? They are there to help you work through these issues. Um, and it's not it's not your boyfriend's job. It's not your uh, yeah. husband's job. It's not your mom's job. It's not your sister, your brother, whatever the case. It's right. not. It's not their job to do that. So that's why, you know, it's cool. Like you know, even if you know me and Eddie, we got some ideas we want to get off our chest. We'll chop it up about it for an hour, an hour and some change, and then yeah. that'll be it. That'll be that. But it's not a thing to where like I'm calling every Eddie every single day. Like, hey man, I'm dealing with this. Right. And hang but, up the phone. Right. Right. Hey man, I'm but, dealing with this. But <clears throat> but like. Keith knows this, and I sent him this just like I sent him this every blue moon, and mm -hmm. I I've told him before, mm -hmm. um, like bro, you can call me anytime. Mm -hmm. Like it could be four in the morning, I don't care if I if the phone rings, I know it's serious and I answer it. Mm -hmm. Cause I've literally cried to my best friend, your brother. Mm -hmm. I cried on the phone before it was like three in the morning. Yeah, cause I my feelings was hurt, I was feeling bad. And mm -hmm. the funny thing about me saying this is, some people will look at me and think I'm weak for saying this. I don't care. I was crying. I had my feelings hurt. I called my best friend. He gave me sound advice and it gave me clarity, and I learned from it. Uh -huh. And I'm blessed to have men in my life that that help me in that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not just this strong guy where I know things and I'm just saying things on the podcast. No, I've been a guy that was crying. I've been a guy that's been chasing women who clearly didn't want me and it was hurting me even more because I was hurting myself, but I needed clarity. I needed someone to speak to yeah. and it helped me out a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, the unfortunate thing is I'm very privileged in the sense that I have a counsel or certain men in my life that I can speak to, but most men do not. Yeah. Most men do not have enough sound men in their friend group that will talk to them. 
Mm-hmm. Most men don't tell their friends they love them at the end of the phone call. Mm-hmm. Most men do not. And it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Or like the guy that gives like the cliche advice. Yeah, yeah, man. Like you'd be like, hey, man, like my girl just, she, she uh, I just caught her cheating on me. He'd be like, man, forget these hoes. Like, let's go hit the, cl-. you know what I mean? That kind of yeah. advice. It's like, dog, like, I just want to get some stuff off yeah. my chest. You know what I mean? Man, let me tell you something, bro. I'd rather cry, I'd rather feel and cry and learn and have clarity than go drink a whole bottle of tequila at the club and chase mm-hmm. pussy. Yeah. Because if I go out and I drink a whole bottle of tequila and I chase pussy, then I'm suppressing the feelings that I really have, and I'm going to bring that trauma to another woman. That's the energy. It's energy, bro. Mm-hmm. If you don't handle that shit, especially when you're single, if you don't handle it and know how to control your feelings while you're a single man and some woman hurts you, you will bring that somewhere else. And some women say, like, why do men have bruised egos and why are they depressed and why are they like this? Well, there's a lot of women that fuck men up too, mm-hmm. Okay. Is it is it solely the woman's fault? No, it's the man's responsibility to hit, to heal himself and learn from it. But wherever you see traumatic women, you see traumatic men. I've had women tell me terrible shit about men. How men have verbally abused them. Some men have physically abused them, and it's like fuck. The da- the dangerous part about like being in relationships um, is like you know each other so well. So when it when it you know. That it's the same way a woman can support you and, you know, know exactly what you need. Like, if you get off of work, she like, mm-hmm. yo, I got the food prepared. I took care of this, this and that because I know you've been working hard or, you know, take some time off. I'm going to take the kids, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, the woman that knows how to make a man feel good in that way also knows, like, the things that can trigger a man. A uh, one million so, percent. You know, oftentimes, like, in, in arguments and stuff like that. million percent. You know, poking a bear. Million percent. Yeah, million percent. Another thing, like a perfect example is that I talked about it a long time ago, or I think recently, where uh, I, my truck had broke down and, and somebody was coming, to, uh, a repair guy, and some girl that broke down kind of not too far behind me. I just went to see if she was okay, but she had a blown tire. And she kind of held me there for a little bit. We were just talking. And then she's like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend's going to come. And when she said that, I was about to walk off. And she just continued the conversation until he got there. Yeah. Right? And I think that she knew that that, that interaction was going to trigger her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I think she knew that, but she did it on purpose. Yeah. Right? I've had women literally tell me things to almost kind of trigger an emotion out of me, almost like trigger jealousy or an emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not going to react to this. I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. And it's like, I think what it is too is a lot of times women have dealt with guys who are either really insecure or really controlling or whatever, and they use these tests on other men. Mm-hmm. They use these tests on other men to see where you are, you know, if you're a jealous type. But at the same time, all you're doing is really being fucked up. Yeah. Like, instead of trying to get to know me, you're just trying to use these tests to see if I'm jealous or if I'm insecure or whatever. That's a terrible way to... And, and the thing about that is, like, if you're looking for a flaw, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. Obviously, like, we're, we're human beings. We're yeah. all jealous. We have insecurities. 100%. And I. But if you're just, like, looking for those things, that's yeah. a dangerous way to be dating. It, it's here. a toxic thing to do, and I've had a lot of women <laughs> try to do it to me. And I'm, in my head, I was laughing because I'm thinking, like, <laughs> like I don't. I mean, you, do you think I can't see this shit test you're doing? Yeah. Like, I see it. I mm-hmm. see it 100%, mm-hmm. and I don't care, mm-hmm. you know. But it it happens, and it's, it's conditioning. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll close this topic down, man. Um, 
I think everyone's mental health matters. Women's matters. And I think the only way men's mental health gets better is when women know this. And I think the only way women get better is when men are proactively involved in women's mental health and things that they're doing. Because yeah. there's a lot of women out here that's toxic. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of men out here that's toxic and also don't know how to express themselves at all. A man expressing themselves on average is punching a hole in a wall, and that ain't cool. That's crazy. You know, punching a hole in a wall, and women get women get a bad rap for being really emotional because they they are men are <laughs> men are just as emotional. They mm-hmm. just express it in usually not great ways. Yeah, punching a hole in a wall. That's wild. Punching a hole in a the wall. Then drink, you don't get your deposit back, right? And, like, and then the or drinking a lot of alcohol at the bar, mm-hmm. and you never catch me in a bar, man. You know yeah, why? Yeah, you can't suppress the... Even, like, there's guys that be, like, try to, like, sex it away. All right. Like, oh, my girl cheated on me. I'm going to go sleep with third, three different women. It's just Honestly, like, bro, if I'm depressed, I can't have sex. <clears throat> yeah. If I'm depressed, like, I can't... I know this is t- TMI, but I can't get my dick hard if I'm t- fucking depressed. Yeah. Remember one time I was uh, hooking up with this chick, and this is disclosing a lot. I was about to hook mm-hmm. up with this chick. And I just fucking, I just was off my game because yeah. I had so much going on in my mind that I couldn't stay on task. Yeah. You know, and women don't really have much empathy towards that. They're just like, oh my God. Like, some people is like. Wasted my time. Some people is like sex drive and their like mental is separate. separate. Mine's yeah. is on the same path. Yeah, and, I and understand a, what you're saying. In order for me to be like turned on and into <laughs> it, like I have to be there. I have to be present, mm-hmm. you know, like. I guess I guess some people think we're robots. Even even in terms of like you you see like um like couples that are getting into an argument and the next thing you know, like they just having sex. Yeah, I'm not gonna have a mad boner. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad at you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I couldn't even I couldn't even that's how and I don't have like an ex wife or anything like that. No. But I I, you know, Thinking about how I am just as a person, I couldn't imagine like having an ex-wife or a baby's mom yeah. and then like we'd be broke up and fighting all the time no. and you know, always on the outs and then just going over there and just knocking. Like, her down. no, you you're not getting this dick till we resolve our issues. Yeah. I'm not about to be over here having some angry Jody dick from, from <laughs> like I'm not Jody from Baby Boy. I'm actually a functional man. So for me to give you hard dick, I need good mental health. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's facts. <laughs> Yeah, man, you tripping. There you go. That's how you get the best dick. Like, make sure your man is mentally healthy. You get some good dick. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But that'll be messed up if we say that, and then they, then they do, but then he busts fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was good. It was like two minutes. But it was, <laughs> Keith and Eddie was right, but it was only one minute. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's crazy. That is so crazy. All right, switching gears. Um... Tiffany Cross, um, a news anchor, uh, she basically stated, let's say, M- MSNBC host Tiffany Cross is slammed for saying her trucker brother is at risk because the industry is full of white men who voted for Trump. All right, this was she said in verbatim. Let me go down. She said, this is, the ind- this is an industry populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55, Cross said. This group of people over the, what, overwhelmingly overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Some people have talked about aggressive truck drivers cutting them off or being or not being <clears> helpful. So obviously, the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that, she alleged. But how can you encourage people to come and disrupt this space when it seems 
a bit underwhelming. Dave then responded that the best way to encourage people to get into trucking industry is by showcasing other black people and, and women like herself who drove for eight years. And yes, I ran into lots of racism, they admitted. But however, I was out there to do my job. I appreciate you for helping us get this word out, they told Cross. Uh, the women will be able to close the deficit if we just let them know. Okay, here's my thing. Cross was acting like Vlad TV. Yeah, she was. And I'll say this. like we, we, we keep the same energy on here. When somebody that happens to be white says something that's tone deaf about black people or about something, then we, we don't try to cancel them or talk crazy. We try to provide context to the situation. Yeah. And this one here, this is just kind of, this is ignorant. Tiffany Cross happens to be a black woman, but she's offering the conversation of <clears throat> race to a situation when it doesn't match up. See, I'm actually a trucker, right? And I think anybody that drives a truck knows that this is just skewed information. I work for a black-owned truck company where it is predominantly black men at this company, mm-hmm. right? And when I go out daily, and maybe it's different in other states, but I'm from California. There are a lot of Mexican truck drivers. There are a lot of black. Maybe it's not a whole lot of black truck drivers, even though there is, but we only represent 13% of the country. In California, it's not a whole bunch of us here. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but I do see a lot of black men driving trucks. I see a lot of Latinos. I see a lot of Indian or Middle Eastern people driving trucks all over Los Angeles. It is a fucking melting pot. Okay? It is a melting pot. I don't see a bunch of angry white men blowing their horns saying, Trump, baby, Trump. Like, I don't don't see this, okay? (laughs) And I've had a lot of helpful truck drivers out there. Now, am I saying that there's no racism in the trucking industry? I'm not saying that at all. I'm sure there is. But I have not really experienced that myself. I just think that some people, especially on MSNBC or Fox News is guilty of this shit too, they love pushing a narrative even when it ain't necessary. Mm-hmm. This was an unnecessary time to push race into this issue. The biggest issue with the industry and why there's a driver shortage is because companies don't treat the drivers right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are realizing either they'll just quit and go to another profession or um, they just won't even get a CDL to begin with. Mm-hmm. Another reason why there's a driver shortage, companies such as CR England, Swift, CRST, Prime, companies like this, they are CDL farms. They get a bunch of people and just give them a CDL and put them on the road. They barely give them a, a adequate training, put them on the road, and then now they're only putting these people in fucking automatics. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're putting a lot of drivers in only automatics is to have that restriction on their license so they can't get a real job. I don't know if you, because you don't, you may not understand all the nuances of trucking, but mm-hmm. I drive a ten, I drive a manual. <clears throat> I could drive a manual. I could drive an automatic. I could drive anything, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. The problem is, is when you get a CDL through these companies now, they train you only in an automatic, and most fleets are manual. Mm-hmm. So they're basically trapping you into getting these jobs. Yeah. Because nobody's going to hire you with a restriction on your license. Mm-hmm. And... They pay the these companies pay shit wages. So they want to wonder why there's a driving shortage. It's not because of lack of diversity. It's because of lack of respect. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the biggest fucking problem. Yeah. 
I think uh, the the reason I kind of equated you know cross to Vlad TV is because. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she was asking a lot of leading questions. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, like, hey, so I know that there's there's not a lot of black people in the industry, so I'm sure you've you, I'm sure you've experienced people calling you niggers or something like that <laughs> out there, right? And it was just like, just has anybody t- ever called you an African booty scratcher? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just like the way she was kind of coming off, and I and I don't want to. Um, invalidate her experience i'm sure her brother you know has had some run-ins with racism and stuff like that but i I think that that is a little bit irresponsible um especially when we know that there are real concerns out there in the world there are really you know uh what is it ahmad ahmad arbery ahmad arbery like his case is going on right now that's a real situation where we've seen it in real time where he's really dealing with some real racism um so I, i just don't like to, uh, you know, put together these narratives when, you know, somebody may have cut some, and you, you were talking about it before, it's like, you know, they're just some rude drivers. You yeah. know, there's people that are just rude and they're not rude because they're racist. They're rude because they're just terrible people. Right. Um, so in terms of like somebody cutting you off and all, and all these different things, yeah. a lot of these things may just happen just because, you know, they it, it just may be coincidental that, you know, your brother happened to be black and the other person happened to be white. Right. But I, I just think like it's, when you have platforms like this and, you know, our platform is much smaller than hers, but, you know, you want to do your due, due diligence as far as like making sure when you do speak about race um, in any capacity that you is real, is yeah, it's authentic, you know, and and, and even you know the the type of stuff we've experienced maybe in our office or mm-hmm. something like that, we may say like, yo, that was kind of that was kind of off. Like, mm-hmm. why would you know? She probably said that because I was black, but I wouldn't push the narrative to mm-hmm. make it seem like everybody in this office or everybody that right. I run to on a daily basis is racist, or there needs to be more black people over here right. without actually looking at the real. Uh, legit numbers, because in, in even off, uh, even when it, when it comes to numbers, you can you can find numbers to to kind of skew it to what you believe. And you know that's that was a good thing about that interview is the lady that was answering the question. She was keeping it pretty like objective, like, hey, I own a company, and, yeah. and this is how it is. We do experience this, we we experience that, but you know that's not necessarily what we try to push. We just want to promote, you know you know, our company and promote the uh, the lack of jobs out there. And hopefully people can start getting their CDLs and start working right. again because we need it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if Even if you did make trucking more diverse with more black drivers, like that's not going to change the quality of driver. Like we're talking about drivers. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about something else. Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to be, if you add more black people, it's just gonna be a more of a. It's gonna be more people overall that drive better or drive shitty. Right? <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> it ain't yeah. gonna matter. I've had somebody. I looked. You ever. You ever see somebody drive so fucked up that you gotta look like, man, who the fuck driving like that? You gotta look at their face. You gotta look at them and you be like, see what race they is. This motherfucker. I I be trying to guess the race. You be trying to guess? <laughs> I'm not gonna say exactly which race, but I be trying to guess. And I be like, yep, that look. That look like one of those. One of them cans. Oh, <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you, you look in there, you'll see a black guy driving like shit, and you just be like, oh, wow. You mm-hmm. know, and it, it doesn't matter ultimately, mm-hmm. right? The only, I think the, the race of people that get the worst rap for driving bad are Asians. 
they, they, they get the worst. They get the worst fucking treatment ever for like they can't even be a bad driver. They got to be the best driver ever. Or they they got to get good grades and drive good? God damn. They got to get straight A's. They got to be math geniuses. <laughs> and they got to learn how to drive. Like, that's just too much responsibility. That's too much responsibility. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, and it's like people just... And what's crazy, too, is the whole... Um, um, uh, was it? What was the thing called? Uh, a Stop Asian Hate. Yeah. Right? The Stop Asian Hate movement was the quickest, shortest thing ever. Because I ain't seen nobody talking about it. Yeah, that's... <laughs> It's like all of a sudden nobody hate Asians no more. That nigga Jeremy Lin sat down with the president and whatnot, and you ain't heard from him since. The president? What you mean? Nah, that didn't really Oh, I was, I was like, what? He was kind of like the you know the spokesman for it for a while, doing podcasts and interviews. Yeah, Jeremy Lin seems like a dope guy to like have a conversation with. Yeah, Jeremy with. Lin is cool. Yeah, he seemed hella cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, like the problem with mentioning race, like today, this is why we for, like chose to forego the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Because race is an element that you would bring up in a case like that, and I'm just exhausted. This is not a. This is not really a podcast where we just but, talk about race every week. So we decided to just not even fucking talk about that. I shit. will say with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, it's. Um, I think we have to start like moving from the narrative of like this, and and not because um, the way I guess. The because there wasn't really black people involved in the actual hundred percent case. Mm-hmm. Um, they're only comparing, you know, his his lack of you know a conviction to another person in a comparable situation. Right, that's it's, exactly where I was going. It's just it's just a hard argument to 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 bring because um, it's never going to be the exact same case. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's it's just a tough. We we obviously wish that you know he had got convicted, but it's just a tough go at it when you're trying to say like he should have got arrested be- or he should have went to prison because another black person in this same scenario, um, you know, got this amount of years when it, when it's not the exact same situation. It's not a comparable case. Yeah, like if you have black team <clears throat> defending himself, then it makes it exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. it more undeniable. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is if you try to make these comparisons, it just makes you look like you're confirming your bias. Yes. Instead of actually picking a case. So, like, that's why, like, as a podcaster, you have a certain responsibility that before you just go off and start talking about things, try to make it to where it makes sense to all parties involved, right? Like, if you, you're going to have a way that you feel. But if, if opposing parties can see the validity in it, then it really makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen some I seen some people make Kate like points for Kyle Rittenhouse. Some of them I felt like, mm, well, that makes sense. But then, but why was he doing this, or why was this going on? But I, I just don't, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on as it, well. I think too, like you know, and and as the casual social media um, aware person, um, we we don't always look at the evidence and, and stuff like that or how the case is actually right. going. We just know that a person did this, it was caught on video. Right. Um, and then, you know, they got arrested or whatever. Um, and I, I'm saying this, you know, from kind of like semi-experience with my uh, with my uncle's case because he was murdered. But when it comes time to sit down in court and the lawyer and the DA or, you know, the people are presenting evidence and stuff like that, you realize that it's... It's it's very tricky, right? right? So the stuff that we've seen from from Kyle Rittenhouse and they do all these like pre uh, pre trial 
conversations and, you know, they present arguments and stuff pre-trial. Um, there's stuff that, um, in terms of like Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse's case that were omitted because of just the judge's, um, jurisdiction, I guess the case, you know, so it was, it was a video basically saying like, man, I wish I could, you know, shoot one of them people right now. And that kind of got dismissed and some other things got dismissed. So when it comes time to sit in front of a, a, a jury, it's literally just the evidence that you're presenting, right? right. And then it's it's mano y mano at that point. It's a it's a you know maybe a, a DA and you know maybe Kyle Rittenhouse's yeah. lawyers and stuff like that. So at that point, you know some and these some of these lawyers are really really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like OJ are, OJ got off. Yeah. yeah, I'll say this, and we'll just <clears throat> close that whole conversation down. One thing that that was never presented, which is why I chose not to really go in depth and speak about this. Is the fact that after the death of you know teenagers like whether well, it's Trayvon Martin or some other person that happened to be of color, like with Ahmed Aubrey is like he was more than a jogger. That was like the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. He was probably going to steal something, which is something Candace Owens said and other right right wing media outlets. But here's the thing: there's usually something that is said about you know black people after the fact, yeah. or like it'll be a picture of them smoking a joint, or maybe um, freaking. Uh, didn't Trayvon have was it him weed or he was holding the gun or something? Trayvon Martin? Yeah. He just had Skittles in a in Arizona. No, I'm talking about the pictures and the stuff that comes out later. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he, I don't know if he had a gun or he was had weed or whatever it was. But those pictures went to the forefront, right? Yeah. And a lot of right right wing media was running with that saying like, look at this kid, like look yeah. what he was look what he was into. When there is a viral video of Kyle Rittenhouse beating up a girl and it was not put on anything. He was, he even was the beating, commentary. He was it's, beating the girl up and nobody said nothing about it. And I'm like, okay, well, I think we, we kind of understand what's going on here. I thought I heard Andre Ward in the background commentating. Oh, God. <laughs> He's giving her a left hook. It's a right hook and a left hook. They, forget about equal rights. What about equal lefts and hooks? Yeah. But yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's something I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole about. Yeah. Um, People have a way they feel about it. It was self-defense. That's what it was. And, and, and like, you know, we kind of talked about it, but we didn't yeah. really initially want to. One thing I will say, too, is that um, above all, like, people are showing, like, a lack of care for the people that lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, a ma- a, 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 just in general, if, like, King Von, for instance, right? He lost his life, uh, lost his life while essentially fighting somebody, right? He was fighting Quando Rano and somebody shot him. Right. There was like an outpour of, uh, you know, love and support for him. And, you know, he kind of, you know, streams went up and, and, and all this stuff like that. Um, essentially, that was the same thing that happened in this case. You know what I mean? Like it was just a, a, a conflict that ensued and then somebody lost their lives when it may have, you know, in in normal case, it may have just resulted in like just, you know, a bruised eye or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but the, a gun was involved. <clears throat> that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. So I, yeah. I just say that to say like, I just wish that there was, you know, you know, feel however you want to about Kyle Rittenhouse, but I just wish that people would show more love and but concern. You, you got to understand though, it's, it's bigger than that though, because it's all about confirmation bias. You have to understand it. Like mm-hmm. we talk about how liberals and conservatives do things. Conservatives, that are more or less obviously have right wing ideology, more or less are gun people, right? Mm-hmm. Second Amendment, pro two A people, right? Which I mean, I have a gun myself, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 
basically anything defending the gun person, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, they don't like protests, especially Black Lives Matter protests. Right-wing people hate Black Lives Matter. So it's confirmation bias to say they were rioting. Black Lives Matter, all they do is riot. Did you know that over 93% of Black Lives Matter protests are completely peaceful? But the reason why anything goes to the news is because the news is the media, the news media is feeding you all the most fucked up shit. Yeah. Right? So what happens is you got people like Tiffany Cross that's believing that most truck drivers are white racist Trump supporters. And you got right wing people thinking that every Black Lives Matter protest is a fucking massacre. Mm -hmm. And it, it confirms their bias when they say, oh, man. Well, he was defending himself and he was doing this. They wouldn't be saying that if it was a different scenario. But based on the fact that it was somebody at a Black Lives Matter rally that got shot, it is always going to be okay with them. The same way if somebody at a Black Lives Matter rally got ran over by a car, they would say, well, they shouldn't be blocking the street. Yeah. There's not going to be oh empathy. God. There is no empathy where there is bias. And that is the reason why I don't ever lean on supporting something so much that I don't question it. Yeah. Like with Black Lives Matter, the idea of Black Lives Matter is great, but it's also an organization that is not on the up and up also. <laughs> mm -hmm. We've seen where some of the money is going to like what? Like presidential Buying houses and stuff. All kinds of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, why why are Black Lives Matter money being spent at the strip club? What the fuck going on? Well, that didn't literally happen. I'm just making up a hey, joke. Hey, you never know. I, <laughs> it's just strange when those things are businesses. Right. You know, like the LGBTQ, like it's a, you know, there's certain organizations that are like real businesses. They got CEOs and, wow. and boards and stuff like that. It's just not that, not that it shouldn't be a business, but I just think sometimes um, things could get lost in, yes, in the can. business aspect of like you know what it's initially supposed to be about that's what happens when you want to get money involved with everything yeah you're trying to monetize everything trying to make everything about money yeah you know when it's supposed to be some type of a movement it shouldn't be attached to just <clears throat> that but there's that yeah yeah well um i got nothing else man that's pretty much it for me too yeah man um folks <clears throat> Um, hopefully you can hear the quality increase. Um, if not, that means it's the best you're going to get for a while. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to donate to the, uh, if you, if you want to donate, we will use mm -hmm. the proceeds. Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's to my, uh, left when you're looking at it on YouTube, mm -hmm. it is ATM pod for, uh, donations. If you, if it's on your heart to donate and you feel like we've earned that, then send it on in. Yes, sir. Um, we'd like to say thank you for if you made it to the whole end of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fiends. We're out of here. Peace.